want to dance? No, 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 no. I do believe Marsalis, my husband, your boss, told you to take me out and do whatever I wanted. Now I want to dance. I want to win. I want that trophy. So dance good. All right. Welcome to another episode of Season 4 of Three and a Half Gentlemen, the podcast, where three of the four hosts provide a refined and intellectual analysis of movies from our private collections, and one of us tries desperately to keep up. We'll let you decide which host is which, but for now, my name is Sean, and spinning with me as always are my co-hosts, Jeremiah. What up, Royale with cheese? Eddie? (laughs) English motherfucker, do you speak? <laughs> and Brandon, I, uh, I don't. I want a gold watch that's been somebody's ass. That's kind of what I want. Really? You have, you're just, just yeah, <laughs> get it, Brandon. You're so fucking what cool, man. Okay? <laughs> the watch is the first Say thing one. I saw in my notes. Say one again. Say one again. <laughs> I dare you, man. I double dare you. <laughs> the watch is where I went. Yeah, there it is. I like the watch. That was a good story. Uh, With season four, we're returning the form from season one. And instead of picking movies in a specific genre, we're each picking movies that we just want to talk about. That said, after choosing the movies for the seasons, we have grouped them in the specific focuses, whether it will be influential directors, mysteries, blockbusters, and beyond. Uh, Additionally, throughout the season, we'll be including some new releases in theaters and streaming, as well as a TV series uh, or two. As with every review we give, our goal is to answer one simple question. How many drinks does it take to get through the film or special we just watched? Now, at the end of the podcast, we'll rate the movie or series based on a scale of zero to five. Zero being a perfect film that you can watch Stone Cold Sober, and five being sort of the film that makes you want to snort heroin, thinking it's cocaine, only to be revitalized by having a needle, a jillion, slammed directly into your heart at the home of a local drug dealer or your local drug dealer. Heroin. I ain't gonna go even near the fucking. You're last not gonna part go with the one. next Fuck. one. <laughs> I figured I'd just push it. I push it. Brandon, the key yeah. is subtlety. The key <laughs> to the script <laughs> is subtlety. More than yeah. anything, yeah, straightforward. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I just knew Jeremy go there too. It's like <laughs> see where he went. So, and, and my second, my second thought, comment is: so I watched. I've watched this movie twenty times. I had no idea that she snorted heroin and not cocaine, and that mm-hmm. was her problem. That was her problem. I, I same thing. You I thought she just had an overdose from heroin. I am so drug. I'm so drug illiterate that I didn't understand there was a difference. That's the first. That's the first time I saw that. I was like, oh, that yeah. made sense. She yeah. used the heroin instead of cocaine. I was just like, oh shit. Heroin's I think bad. the thing to think about Cocaine's is that good. adrenaline can fix I was like, you. Okay. Yeah. It's, adrenaline is an easy fix. Brandon, what movie do we have lined up? Well, uh, tonight, if you haven't uh, figured it out, for us yeah. this evening. <laughs> Yo, easy there. Oh God, tonight, if you haven't figured hey, it out yet, hey, hey, this, got, is, yeah, this, is adult, this is adult program. Oh God, apparently. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we have 94's revolutionary and violent masterpiece, Pulp Fiction. This film follows the lives of several different people in and around Southern California, including two hitmen, a boxer, a gangster, and his wife, and a pair of small-time criminals. Over the course of their four individual stories, their lives intertwine to give us a mosaic filled with violence and redemption. Pulp Fiction has an all-star cast, including John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Bruce Willis, Uma Thurman, and Harvey Keitel, among many, many, many others. 
The film has an IMDb rating of 8.9 out of 10, has a critic score of 92%, and an wow. audience score of 96 freaking percent, wow. respectively, on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Did we talk with... about the once fame uh, actress that uh, was a pilot? Oh, shit, yeah. Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman. Yeah, no, it's all right. But, I mean, she's Mia you Wallace. Know, you said, you know, like, we, we go downtown. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we, we got it. As with uh, every movie we review, we try to pair our selection with a drink that we feel reflects the film. So, Ed, why don't you take us through the drink that we'll be enjoying this evening? And I hope to God it's a $5 milkshake. <laughs> God tastes damn, that's a five dollar milkshake. Tastes delicious. I know. Uh, I, like you know, in this economy, you know what I give for a five fucking dollar milkshake? McDonald's. God, I was more thinking about that than that. Mm. Sean, <laughs> didn't we have like fucking like milkshake booze like in New York, and they were like fucking like fifteen to twenty dollars? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean it was. Uh, yeah, I had bourbon in mine. It was at least fifteen. Young yeah. bourbon. Anyway, well, keep, keep where the fuck was I? Where was I at? You that? were still flying Where'd in. You guys have that. Oh, you, you, know, were, you know, you were still playing. Oh, that was the first it. I knew I missed another thing. Yeah. yeah. No. Was he? Was he? Oh, not, no, oh, he was a diner. There was yeah. a diner. Yeah. No, no, no. no, it was the Stark. It was the Stardust place, wherever that the fucking Star, place is. And, yeah, and they sang all the show tunes while we ate. Yeah. Okay. Well, tonight, guys, we're going to be making the $5 milkshake with booze. Mm. So grab a shitload of your favorite ice cream flavor, some milk, blend it up, and it's ready to go. And then add your alcohol of choice. Pretty easy, right, guys? Anyone pretty can do simple. this one. Just, no, kids don't listen to this, uh, but pretty much yeah. Yeah. pretty simple. Ice cream, ice, uh, and booze, and, yeah. and that's pretty much it. You yeah. can uh, find our full recipe at the uh, gentleman uh, – I'm sorry, at the Dot Gentleman podcast, uh, and you can see uh, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, will you take pictures this, this season four? Is that what's going on? What's going yeah, on? we're going to take pictures, but we're also going to show you how to actually um, make the drink with reels and everything like that so you can actually listen along and actually oh, be cool. a part of it. I, and- I, yes, I do recommend Sean makes a really good – uh, orange creamsicle oh, vodka drink. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I, I want uh, that's the one I want, but with vanilla orange, you know, orange creamsicle with vodka. That's Ooh, the one as a shake, with. that would be delicious. Yeah, that would be really good. Yes. Mm, that okay. sounds like a good idea, actually. So, so before I know there's a lot to talk about in this podcast, but I just have to ask best shake you've ever had. Honestly, I'm not going to say it because we're in New one. York, but that shake we had in New York was pretty fucking great because the bourbon yeah, so, it was man, so, so fucking bad. delicious, man. Delicious <laughs> and yummy. Hmm. And I got a little kind of tipsy. Yeah. When I was living in Georgia, uh, we had Steak and Shake. And Steak and Shake had, uh, it was a mint cookies and cream milkshake. And I swear to God, that thing, it was was my lifeblood. It was the greatest thing ever. So uh, my favorite place uh, I've ever had, I, didn't, I wasn't able to do it in New York. I'm pretty sure that would be the top. But my favorite, uh, pretty much right now, it's a place that's called P. Terry's. It's in Texas. And it's... The cousin of the person with In N Out. Oh. Uh, so they branched off and they made their oh. own burgers and they're just like In N Out, but they're in Texas and they're called P. Terry's and their milk shakes are to die. For. That sounds Ooh. pretty fucking amazing. Uh, Sean, what's your yeah. favorite milkshake? Um, my favorite milkshake has, I mean, I'm, you're going to be like, you're joking me. It's Frosties? a Denny's fucking milkshake where they give you that metal cone, <laughs> or that metal extra little spot. That's pretty of exciting. It. And the, yes. sometimes they do like uh, they in the holiday season they do like a uh, a mint bark 
Oh, oh my god, that yeah. shit mm. is on point. I'm and sorry. then uh, Sean there. gets his flask and he puts a little yeah, like you know does. grandfather's cough syrup medicine inside that fucking. Of course, shake. of course, of course. Okay, so let's talk about this movie. And one of the th- things that's absolutely brilliant about the way that Quentin Tarantino approaches this movie is he is uh, does not care about chronological order, does not care about mm. time, does not care about uh, flowing scenes together. He basically is cutting vignettes of different characters that are not in sequential order together as they progress. Uh, Jeremiah, give us some thoughts. I remember seeing this movie and completely being blown away of the narrative structure of the film and how it plays out the sequence. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And I think it's so fucking like, you know, ahead of its time. And then a lot of other films are trying to do the same thing or try to do the same thing. But I remember seeing this and I'm still thinking about it right now because I just watched it the past couple of days ago and it was like, fuck, I've never seen anything like this where a movie is like completely out of order, but it fits the movie the way how it needs to be fit. The fact that you've got Vincent dying and then literally five minutes later, he's, he's redeemed or not. He's, he's, he's brought back (laughs) and he's got this whole huge story arc that happens. Um, You know, you kind of forget a little bit that, Hey, he, he just got blasted away in a toilet. And I think that that does a really, really great job. All he does is take shits. All know, he does is true. go to the bathroom and miss all the action. I, I did see this thing that said that, that <laughs> well, everything that happens. It, he just topped himself up. Yeah, everything that happens bad happens when somebody's in the bathroom. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's only, it's only Vincent. Vincent. It's only John DeVolta's character. Yeah. Every time he goes in the bathroom, there's a fucking horrible scene. Either there's someone who's ODing, someone's getting shot, or someone's actually getting killed. Yeah. All, all the time diner, someone, I mean, Or the diner. Yeah. 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 So the opening sequence is with um, with two of my least favorite actors, uh, mm. but I, I really do I like appreciate the dialogue and the way that that scene played out. Tim Roth to me is is a is a poor Tim man. Roth is is Gary Oldman. They're the same person. That is not <laughs> well, true. Gary Oldman is a person. storied actor of of quality <laughs> and wonder. Tim Roth, and Tim Gary Roth, Oldman yeah. looks like a mouse. Tim Roth, he's he's in Harry Potter, right? He's the. Uh... Whatever his no, name. No, is. no, no, no. He never made no, it in. No, no. So there was a report of like the script being released and like certain actors that were supposed to be like a part of this movie, and actually Gary Oldman was actually supposed to be in this fucking movie. Uh, no, it makes so they are kind of interchangeable. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but I, I Gary Oldman, you can't compare his acting style to Tim Roth. Now, no. uh, I, the, you've got this opening sequence, and you know it reminds me so much of Quentin Tarantino just the feel of it. They're sitting in a diner that's clearly old. Mm-hmm. They're having this dialogue of kind of what could happen. And then all of a sudden manifest, right? Whatever yeah. they're saying, they decide and they, they kind of, they, they go. And that's so Quentin Tarantino, e Quentin Tarantino esque. Mm-hmm. It, it just brought you right into this world and it made you excited to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the music Eddie, team, man. Something too. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about with, uh, I mean, Quentin Tarantino, he's a man, I think you guys all can agree, he likes to reuse his uh, uh, actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. He he finds them uh, quite fun using them over and over and over with them. So, I mean, Tim Roth, he was in uh, Reservoir Dodds, yeah. right? I mean, mm-hmm. this was 92. Uh, and that was, I mean, was that Quarantino? Yeah, yeah that was Quentin Tarantino. Was that his yeah, first but- one? Yeah, that, that was his dogs, first yeah. directed. Yeah, yeah so, so I, I, mean, this I, I couldn't pretty pretty epic special. Yeah, I couldn't watch that one. I, I stopped uh, right when Madsen does the stuck in the middle of a oh. few uh, torture scene. Yeah, I could never get past that scene. I never one. could get past it. 
So I've never seen Beyond. Oh, the, end, the, the ending's that, actually. I had a tough time watching this younger age. So I had no idea what the fuck was going on in half of this movie, I remember. And I watched it a couple times since then. But it's still, every time, like, it, it throws me off of the order. Every time, I'm never like, oh, yeah, I forgot that this part's Netson yeah. and then this part. Wait, oh, yeah, Vincent yeah. died. I forgot all about that. Let me ask you guys something about this movie. What is your favorite story in this movie? There's three stories, basically, that are the main focus. Oh, I think Mia, everybody likes Vincent, the Bonnie situation. Chapter one, the Go Watch or the Bonnie situation. Yeah. I, Who's Bonnie? Bonnie the is Bonnie Quentin Tarantino's is wife. actually uh, Quentin Tarantino's wife Jimmy. in the movie. Yeah, actually. Jimmy. The Bonnie situation is the wife the coming situation home is cleaning and up trying with to Harvey get the dead body out of the house. It's Harvey Keitel. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Because you got, you got, that's, because to me, there's the, the three stories are Vincent and, um, uh, and Jules. Uh, no, Vincent and Jules. And Jules. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, Bruce Willis is in this, another one, and then you've got um, Mia, Mia and Vincent Mia and is Vincent. the first one. Mia and actually. Vincent, I, can, I guess you could yeah. say that. But there's, it's almost like they're not three distinct stories. It's almost like, really, it's almost like it's Vincent because Vincent is in the oh. bar at the very beginning with mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Willis when he Butch. confronts Butch when when he confronts Marcellus about throwing the fight, and then Vincent's also at the end of his story, obviously. And then Vincent is with Jules. Vincent is with Uma. Vincent is with the cleanup. So I mean, really, yeah. you could you could argue that this is only from Vincent's mind. Yeah. Well, no, because I, you also see Vincent in the beginning of the movie with the two couples talking to each other. You literally see uh, John Travolta, which is pretty cool watching it over again. That you see his character walking in the background, going yeah. into the scene. So you know that you see that at the beginning of connector. it. But yeah, you're right. Vincent is the main person that's in every story, pretty much throughout this film. Actually, when you think about it, I mean, you you get that, but I mean, like you, with the whole scene with Bruce Willis, it, it tapers off a little bit. Like, I mean, he dies there at that point. So that that whole scene of Bruce, you know, like running away, Butch with the money, and you know, trying to escape Marcellus. I can tell you that I didn't care about that story out of all the other stories. I, I, I enjoyed the, the relationship between Jules and Vincent. Yeah. I enjoyed yeah. the relationship between you Vincent like, and you like Uma Thurman, Mia. No, what I I'm like saying Butch. is that is the story. The yeah. story is that Butch was supposed mm-hmm. to throw a fight for Marcellus Wallace. Butch does not throw a fight for Marcellus kills Wallace. <laughs> and instead, yeah, kills the guy and goes on the run. Marcellus Wallace then sends sends Jules and Vincent after Butch to try and find uh just Vincent f- find find no no with Jules and Vincent no 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 Jules actually left at that time he's done actually when you he's think done about with it, it. He's done a couple days oh, after oh that's right yeah. right 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 so, yeah, so the timing just fucks you up off. I'm sorry yeah it does so look like, what's really funny about the the uh, the go watch which is probably my favorite dialogue with Chris for walking by the way I think that's one of the best dialogues in the fucking oh, movie it just makes me laugh every time I watch true it true romance though true romance oh when yeah that's fucking great Hopper, but it's just oh, so fuck. fucking great in the scene <laughs> but I really love the scene I never put two two together here guys where basically like when uh and when Butch is going into his room to his apartment and he thinks he's all cool and then he sees a fucking gun on the table right. Mm-hmm. And so he picks it up, and you see Vincent coming out of the bathroom. And I always wonder, like, no, I always wonder myself, like, why did he leave his gun? It wasn't until this fucking time I realized, oh, Marcellus was with Vincent at that time, staking out, waiting for them to come in. He went to go and get donuts to bring that back. I never put fucking together. Oh, and that's when when Butch went into the car. 
And yeah. that's because I always yes. wonder, like, what is the coincidence of having that fucking person walking at that time? I never fucking figured out. He was out the Jules to Vincent then. at that point. Yeah, he was Jules to Vincent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So no, I want to. I want to go Got back it. though. I want to go back and I want to talk about because I mean I can talk for hours about how much I respect Quentin Tarantino as a story maker, or a storyteller, and a filmmaker. But what I do want to do is, and we did this with Inglorious Bastards, which is a great podcast. You should go back and listen to, but his openings right we can look at reservoir dogs has i think one of the most iconic greatest openings ever you got again sean like you were saying it's at a diner they're talking about tips and you got um uh steve buscemi talking about how tips are pointless and you got other people Mm -hmm. defending tips i mean so you got this opening dialogue with pulp fiction (laughs) i think you've got some of the best dialogue that just hits you out of nowhere like you said we're just thrust in this world with honey bunny and and uh, pumpkin and then you go into Inglorious Bastards and you've got the Hans Landa beginning, right? You go through all of these movies and he is, he's formulaic to a point where you know that you're going to get fantastic opening dialogue and dialogue that is mm-hmm. witty yeah, and right. comical and cute and clever, but at the same time, really hardcore biting throughout. But I think that that Pulp Fiction to me is, is the iconic. I know Hans Landa, we can say that that is just fucking top-notch writing, but this establishes I'm going to so disagree well. with you a little bit, Brandon. Please do. I'm going to disagree with you slightly. And nice, I, nicely said, Brandon. In a, nice, in a nice way. I believe that you can start any vignette that he has, mm. any segment of film, and you could have thrown it at the first part of this movie. Yeah. And you could have had that same intellectual beginning, yeah. that same unique beginning, even if it's the, the Royale and, with and, cheese. And you could Jules have that. talking about the, the Royale with cheese, or if you would have start, I mean, anywhere you start this movie in in the in the vignettes, you you would have had like even if it was Butch talking to Marcellus about throwing the 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 yeah. game or the, the the boxing match, you have this this yeah. disregard for pacing, yeah, which. In and of itself creates the best pacing I've ever heard, I've ever seen, which mm-hmm. is my favorite part about Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, uh, you have a disregard for pacing, and also he takes his time in in setting up the scene that he wants to film, mm-hmm. irrespective of 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 the rest of the story. No matter where you're at in the story, yeah. he takes his fucking time and introduces you the characters the way he It's almost like you could it. say that his beginnings, yeah. right? His beginnings, vignettes or films, because not all of his movies are just are strung together vignettes. Some of them are, but uh, not all of them are. But if you look at him and just say his beginnings, what he does is he thrusts us in whether we what? want to call Which it chapters. Which one is it? Well, yeah. Well, I think um, – uh, well, what's it? Uh, He's hate, a segment director. Hateful Eight is. is not so much. I'm, okay, so I haven't seen that. Yeah. And Django wasn't so much. Yeah, but you got to remember, like, the soundtrack of this movie, mm. it gets you, and you're ready oh, to fucking God. go right in. And I love the fact that when you think about this, there's no score to this. This is all, like, yeah. songs from Quentin Tarantino's fucking favorite vinyl yeah. soundtracks that he likes to fucking add to the music. Yeah. And it fits, man. It goes into Dick Dale to, uh, what, Cool in the Gang? Yeah, and it yeah. just fucking flows in right, so fucking yeah. dope on it, man. It's so badass. And I'd always remembered how much I like oh, this, yeah. but for me, one of my favorite songs of all time, put a period at the end of it, is "Son of a Preacher Man." And I first heard that song in this movie, you know, years and oh, years and years cool, ago. Dude. And that's I cool. still listen to that one every couple of days. Like literally, I'll go find it and listen to it because that to me is one of the greatest. What's but I can't, I can't think of that song without seeing Mia Wallace walking, you know, or her feet walking through. 
uh, her her yeah. home. Like it's but, just yeah. it's beautiful. But but I think that's what it does is it takes something like a song and it's now kind of recontextualized it to viewers so that you can't ever hear that without. And I think that that's not just Quentin Tarantino. Shine John, we've talked about music and movies, right? But I think Quentin Tarantino has a a interesting way of doing it where the song is ruined from here on out for anything other than the connection between that scene. Even a bat, like stuck in the middle with you from reservoir dogs Mm -hmm. will forever haunt me as the scene where I don't watch that movie anymore. Yeah. He knows how to label scenes with with music really well for life. Yeah. Yeah. Think about James Gunn and what he did with guardians of the galaxy, right? He, he put together two great soundtracks for guardians of the galaxy one and volume two. They didn't have the same impact as what Tarantino is trying to do here, which is actually to live the song. And not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that James Gunn should have done that. I'm saying that that's, to, it's kind of the same concept that he used. Yeah. But after Tarantino, there was so many directors that was trying to use that same like clutch, you know, with their films. Like I'm going to add all these songs to like fit the scene and everything. And a lot of them don't work because I don't think they have an idea. I think when Tarantino, I, I assume like when he writes it, he has the soundtrack in his mind that he really wants that on that fucking well, script. I heard that right. he that sends, he everything. sends, well, back in the day when he sent Pulp Fiction scripts to everybody, he sent a cassette tape. It was a mixtape. And he said, you got to listen to this. And it would, it would tell him when to cue up what song to listen to when they're reading the script. Mm. And to me, that's in all what it's. Zach Braff, Zach Braff yeah. does the same thing. And yeah. Zach Braff has, uh, Zach Braff has to a whole different methodology of directing the same He's got the same impact where it's the music is a vibe, right? Is part of yeah, part of the yeah. character, part of the introduction, part of the you know, it's synonymous is yeah. what it is. That's a great word. So, for question: it. favorite uh, favorite sound shot for Tarantino? Oh, this one uh, for movies. This Which one. one? Kill Bill. Is this one. This one, I think. Oh yeah, the RZA, the RZA with with Kill Bill. I think Kill Bill is pretty fucking dope, dude. No, I mean Kill Bill has the. Kill Bill has has such iconic moments, and I think I think it's set up with the fights. Like yeah. I love the five, six, seven, eights. I love yes. the um, I, yeah. We well, got the me, Lucy Liu battle. Was you know, brilliant. Right. Yeah, I'll give you. And, that. I agree with Sean on that. Yeah. To me, that that movie, uh, it just does it for me. That's all. See, <laughs> sorry, I, Ed. Kill Bill is as yeah. yeah, I think the soundtrack's fucking great, actually. But uh, Eddie, what's your favorite one? Before I go into my other. Topic. Well, um, true romance. I always liked the idea of that, but I think that that, that was a, a movie I liked as a whole. Uh, I also liked. Uh, I want to say it was yes. I want to say uh, Django was kind of always fun to watch, but from dusk till dawn was probably a, a secret little gem of mine that I always enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> the, with, the, so, the music, but, the music? Not, but we're not talking about all of it. I'm, I'm, I, yeah. Those aren't Tarantino directed. I well, yeah. I mean. He Django is it? No, oh, Django is, but from dusk till dawn and and uh, true romance. He, he had his buddy with him. Uh, well, well Robert Rodriguez Robert actually Rodriguez, direct, yeah. directed a scene in this movie. He directed the uh, Bonnie situation when Quentin Tarantino was actually on screen. Which, so, by the way, I, mean, I know. Jared, well, I'm not gonna lie. I get real crisscross applesauce with their movies. I do. Oh, yeah. I, I did crisscross yeah. applesauce. I like who did this yeah. one? Who did that one? Well, their collaborations are just wonderful, and uh, you know. So we talked. We've talked about this before. We've talked about um, the great directors of the uh, of the of the night of the uh, Spielberg and the Lucas and the uh, well, who else was it? it was Brian De Palma, Ford Coppola, and Scorsese. 
Coppola, they were all in I a club love together. Brian De Palma, man. And they were all this like this club, right, where they produce these phenomenal fucking movies at the beginning of film, um, when film started to get popular. And then everyone forgets that you fast forward and you had the Robert Rodriguez, the Quentin Tarantino, um, that kind of secondary group. That group of fucking not just directors but actors and writers and everyone was collaborating with each other the same kind of way and what they produce I've heard Quentin Tarantino speak about this many times he was on uh, I want to say Joe Rogan and he talked about how film was dying in the 1970s and becoming something you know it's in the 80s in the 80s yeah yeah and all of a sudden you know it's it's like his group said no. We're we're not going to do that. We're going to do something. They were different. Mavericks, man. Well, yeah. what they yeah. did is they took they but took the indie thing. mainstream. But films were dying. Films were dying, and then 1977 yeah. Jaws came, yeah. and holy fuck, there's a blockbuster. Yeah. Like it, it's the same concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but his thing was like, we're just going to do the 70s, but we're going to do part two, and we're going to actually kind of like you know you know use that as a way to actually you know well, express the films that we want to do. But here. what they did too is they took ex- exploitation films like you know you got the you got the the kind of the horror films and they said let's let's make them mainstream, right? They brought them to no longer was it kind of you know midnight showings. It was now like this is this is kind of the what you go to on a weekend and see. And to me that's where you know mm. I mean I know a lot of people my family included her like oh Quentin Tarantino it's too violent, it's too rough and it's just it's not it's too abrasive. And I think, yeah, it is. It's too abrasive, but that's the whole point of it, right? And if you look at what Quentin Tarantino does as a, as a producer, too, I mean, he's the reason that we have Hostel. Whether you like Hostel or hate Hostel or never seen Hostel but know about it, he's the reason we have it. It's because he wants to push the boundaries of what film can and should do. And I think that that opens up a whole lot of discussion, which we probably don't need to get into here. But what I think he did is he, he pushed it. Well, I tell you this much. like Even just the thought of like actually – Bringing John Travolta into this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Think about that. During this time, it was he was cold as ice. No one didn't want him. Having John Travolta as the lead in this movie, it was kind of fucking like well, what? I the fuck? I love Jules. I mean, Samuel Jackson. He Jules nailed it for me. Of like a a hitman that was retiring and just mm-hmm. he wanted another life. He wanted to get out before he died, and he was almost trying to also get uh, Vince out at the same time. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it was just like Jules for me was. The movie I enjoyed every time Samuel L. Jackson went on the screen. So to me, this was Sam Jackson's best role that I've ever seen him in. I think that this is his iconic role, coming out role. When you think about yeah, it, it is. Well, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think you're, I think you are. You have a, a point there, Brandon. But going back to what what uh, Jeremy said, that this was kind of a starring vehicle for uh, Travolta. for Travolta. I, I don't necessarily believe that. I think Quentin Tarantino has ensemble casts. And I think that people shine in an ensemble cast. And sometimes when you have this type of film where you have so many great actors, you know, the crop rises. Yeah. Uh, everyone everyone floats together. And I think the reason that, that Samuel L. Jackson was magnificent in this movie is not only because he's a magnificent actor, but also because he had great writing. He had John Travolta to bounce off of. And I think John Travolta got better because of it. And he got both better because of Uma Thurman, who I think is a very underrated actress. Yeah, and yes. then you had, you know, Ving Rhames, who's, who's notoriously a good actor. If, if you, I bet if you go past this movie into the 2000s, you've got like John Travolta taken off in a way that you've, you've never seen. Bruce Willis taken off in a way you've never seen. Um, you know, Sam Jackson did uh, Die Hard 3, which was probably his biggest movie, um, I would think. At that Star time, Wars. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I can't think of any other ones that was, he was 
of all time. That's yeah. what I'm saying, Sean, is that, you know, bringing John Travolta at that time, yeah. he wasn't a big actor at the time. In fact, when Bruce Willis came on, you know, he was trying to get the lead for Vincent, you know, yeah. and it was like Tarantino kind of like, you know, marking his ground like, yo, this is the role for him. Simple but it's, it's that, knowing, you know? yeah, it's knowing which, who's going to best portray that storyline. And he, I mean, I I think I've, I've heard him speak about it, but he said that he wrote that with Travolta in mind. And when he went to Travolta, he said, listen, you can't turn this down. Like, this is this is your role. You need to take it. Do it. And I do feel like there's some roles like that that people are meant to have. Like, there's there's roles that, and I, I don't remember who was talking about it. I want to say it was Kevin Klein, And he said, uh, or Jim Carrey. It might have been Jim Carrey. And he watches a movie that he was up for, and he says, well, that was completely in a different direction than I would have taken the role. And it was magnificent and brilliant and wonderful, but it was completely, Oh no. You know who it was? It was Jim Parsons for Sheldon. And he was up for Dwight in the office. And he said that if he would have gotten Dwight in the office, it would have been a completely different show. It would have completely different character and it probably wouldn't have been as good. And Ryan Wilson was up for Sheldon in big bang theory. And he didn't get it. And, 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 uh, you know, he got Sheldon. And so he brought his Sheldon, Ryan brought his, Ray Wilson brought his Dwight. And those two share shows are marked by those two performances. Right. And so that's what he was talking yeah. about is sometimes you're just built for, you want to, you want this role, this role you want, but it's not the role for you. You got to just wait. And this role is made mm. for someone else and you just got to be okay with it. And that's what happened with Bruce Willis. I mean, like, remember this? At this time, Bruce Willis was the mega star, you know? And he's like, dude, I want to do this fucking movie because he loved Reservoir Dogs. And he really wanted to be the lead. And Quentin Tierney is just like, read the script. There is a third lead in this, and I think it's fucking perfect for you. Mm -hmm. And he was going to give it to Matt Dillon, actually. But he decided to decline or something like that. And he's like, you know what? This is the perfect role for you. Read it. Think about it. And about fucking two days later, he said, I'm ready. (laughs) So, it, yeah, I agree just, with you on yeah, that. It's those, it's those, and those choice actors like Harvey Keitel. We, I mean, we don't talk about Harvey Keitel enough. Harvey Keitel is, in my opinion, one of the greatest character actors of all time. Yeah. He'll go down in the history of character acting. He's, he is like a, a, a what do you call it? A masterclass. He's a right? badass motherfucker. He adopts he to his character. He changes every single time. He's yep. a badass motherfucker. <laughs> and when he is drinking that cup of coffee, and Vincent says, you know, how about how about a how about a please? And he and he and he's like he's like, <laughs> what is he? He, he says like, uh, all this shit he has, but if I it think helps, fast, I talk fast, yeah. so please. With sugar on top. Clean <laughs> the fucking car. <laughs> it's the fucking funniest line. Even when he has a sip a sip of cup of the coffee and he looks at it, he goes, hmm. You yeah, know, it's uh, the funniest yeah. fucking oh. So I tell you where he was great too. If anybody ever wants to uh, to do this movie, I think we should. Uh, there was a movie called a Red Dragon, and he played um, in that, and he was really quite magnificent oh. in that. That's a Hannibal. Have you uh, not to not to get off topic, but uh, have you seen Point of No Return? Anybody seen that one with Bridget Fonda? No. Oh, oh with Bridget God. Fonda, yeah. So he Fuck, plays yeah, he plays very very much he the same the wolf character. He plays the cleaner. And uh, not as personable, but fuck that. That to me is his role. And it's so similar to the wolf here. Um, But yeah, totally recommend that one. It's a shout shout out to that movie. I love it. And Bridget Fonda back in the day. Yes. So guys, can I ask you guys a question? What do you guys think it's in the briefcase? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, it's Marcellus's soul. Is it Marcellus's soul? It is Marcellus's soul. I love that. I love that theory. I know it's a well, stupid. I theory. love that pumpkin. theory. Dude. Was it pumpkin? He looked. Who looked? It was yeah, pumpkin, pumpkin that looked at it. Right. Yeah. He looked at. It, he's like, is that what I think it is? 
right? And he and says it's beautiful. Like, he says it's beautiful. I, I, I imagine it's, I imagine it's, it's a gold, like a gold bar, probably like something gold. So this was, uh, can yeah. we, can we trace the briefcase for a minute? Because it was those Kids had it at the like the dorm room where they're all eating McDonald's. The fuck a seagull kid. Yeah, the, the fuck a seagull kid, kid who died. Well, they fucking died. killed all of them. So I love that. Oh god, it's so good. Oh, and I mean, that's one of the most iconic uh, lines in the whole movie. Say it's what been, again, yeah. motherfucker? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, did. Did Marvin die? Marvin didn't die. Marvin, no, he Marvin died. got his he, head he in the car. He died in the car. But was Marvin with the kids? Yeah. Was that Marvin with the he kids? He was in the yeah, corner, like, the cowering. Yeah, no, no, he, he wasn't was in the bathroom. Corner, yeah. He I, was in the corner cowering. You know what's so funny about that situation? These are two hitmans, and they actually kind of, like, uh, play out, like, you know, what's going to be happening there. And he's like, yeah, there might be four to five people there. And they go in, <laughs> and there's three people. And I'm like, you know, did they fail to mention that there's that fourth person there? I mean, they actually knew there was a fourth person in there. Did they just fucking just <laughs> lost it there? I mean... <laughs> Well, and, and my favorite is uh, so okay. When it, when you're going into a situation where you're 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 a hitman, you'd think that you'd like check the space, like that you'd strategically place yourself so that you could be protected. <laughs> Fucking Vincent's in the kitchen eating shit. Open the cabinets. Sm- like, smoking. Yeah. Handprints are over everything. <laughs> and like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no you suck at your job. You suck really bad at your job. Number one. Number two is is you're you're leaving Samuel Jackson out to dry yeah. if one of these kids gets a hankering to do something. God, you know, God forbid. But the 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 terror. It okay. Samuel Jackson has this acute ability to bring both terror and humor to the same line. Yeah, bro, I, he eats the cheeseburger and it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh shit. And he drinks the whole fucking Sprite. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, God. Oh, he was flexing oh, right there, so, dude. I was so pissed off at the guy. I was like, oh, you're fucking done for it, bro. You ate your whole cheeseburger. He just lost your Sprite. Dude, your- fuck. I want to know how yeah, fucked up that, that apartment complex is to have that many gunshots and not have one siren sounding outside. Oh, no. I mean, Butch's apartment, you had the gunshot and That's the alarm true. going off. And he fucking walks out. Nobody comes Nobody's out of their there. doors. Everyone's like, oh, this is another Thursday night in the in the valley. <laughs> there's a pawn shop, bro. There's a pawn shop right down there's the street that's shop. fucking kinky as hell. That, that that's, you know what's so the, funny? The Ever since that, I've been scared to go to fucking pawn shops. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. I, I, just, I started thinking like. Oh my god! They lock people in there, and they just like well. And you wonder, like, over there. I mean, not not to be not to not to just like extend the story out, but you have like someone like me who I'm desperate to wrap up all the different loose ends. I mean, that's just how my brain works. I want everything to wrap up in a bow, good, bad, or ugly. I want to know what happens. Quentin Tarantino introduces you to 15 characters, and he's like, "Ah, oh, fuck it. They were just in here for the color. Like, you're just in here for one scene. I'm not going to give Steve you any Buscemi. information." Oh, it's Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Randomly, does Steve Buscemi as Buddy? Yeah. Buddy Holiday, right? You want to know what's so fucking ironic is that in Reservoir Dogs, he's talking shit about being a waiter and whatnot, and, and yet he he's playing a fucking waiter yeah. in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. yeah, but even John Travolta says, "I don't know about Buddy. He's a pretty shitty waiter." <laughs> yeah. But, so, can I talk yeah. about like? Can we talk about like the? Probably one of the best scenes of the movie is you the know the, the, dancing uh, the dancing. Oh, God. I mean, come on, dude. That's kind of like when you think of Pulp Fiction, it's very fucking iconic when you think about that dance scene. So can I can I tell you something personal and uh, and kind of? Um... So I I forgot. I thought Uma did this, Maybe and she did. But Travolta no, did this. this. Uma did Uma did this. Hand. Uma does this. She's just a full hand. So, yeah, so I, I find I, it. I had it fl- 
incredibly uncomfortable when people dance on screen. Oh, I agree. Really? Oh, no, I'm, I'm with I you on I love musical. Yeah. I love dancing like that. But, like, when people just spontaneously dance, I'm like, okay, stop it. Mm. Like, get over this. This and, and when they started to dance, you've got John Travolta and this, the fucking blocking is great because the camera, worst angle ever, is pointed up at these motherfuckers from the stage like it's awful, right? Yep. And all of a sudden they start doing this dance and they look completely disinterested in each other. Mm-hmm. Like, They're high. They're both high. One's on coke and the other one's like on heroin and weed. They're doing their own thing. And Vincent's like, oh, I'm dancing with someone. Like, if you if you, watch it again, because it's like he realizes he's dancing with her, and then he tries to follow what she's doing. Not well, no. by the way. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I can do this better than you. And then he starts doing something different. I'm telling you, this is – I don't know if it was unintentional or intentional or blocked or, or scripted, but it was the most brilliant Four minutes of their of acting John Travolta's yeah. ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you something about that dance sequence. Actually, the whole like you know the eyes and whatnot. He actually went to Tarantino allegedly, from my understanding, what I was, what I was reading about. And he mentioned about uh, Adam West doing the Batman dance scene, and he's like, "You want to just add that to that?" And Tarantino was like, "Fuck yeah, let's just add that to that," which is pretty fucking cool. Travolta, his his most iconic role up to that point was Saturday Night Fever, and so in a lot of ways, he's parodying himself. He's making fun of himself, and I think that that's one of the things that makes this. Well, no, because in Saturday Night Fever, he was, he was all about dancing and he was, you know, the skilled dancer. And if you watch him in this movie, he is not a skilled dancer at Greece. all. Oh, I, I disagree oh, no, with you on he that. Is. He's a wonderful no, no, dancer. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. You're mishearing, no, 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 you're mishearing, like, you're, you're mishearing oh. me. No, what I'm saying is that Travolta, I think, is Vincent. making fun of himself. And I think that that's really a cool, awesome thing in the sense that he's oh, a skilled okay, so. ass dancer. In Saturday Night Fever, he shows that. And that was his iconic role, really, in a lot of ways, that in Greece up until this point. And here, when he gets up on stage, he's, he's not dancing to the, the capabilities oh, see, that Travolta Travolta I, I don't agree. Oh I gosh. don't agree with that. I think. Uh, no, I don't. When he's up on his tippy toes, and there's a couple of different oh, that's such scenes a dope where scene. they're. they're, they're their choreography is nonchalantly perfect and then not. I, I, maybe I'm just seeing things that aren't there. No, I, I, I'm seeing what you're seeing, Sean, is okay. that these two people that want to dance, and they don't know side. each other, but they kind of feel they're trying to feel their vibe with each other. And as they get closer with each other and dancing, there's that connection here and everything like that. So this was my first time. Yes, this was my first time to see some detail of the dancing and to see like. Brandon, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to see your point of view, but I feel like it was it was cool the way we were dancing. Oh no, you guys like, are thinking I mean, that like Travolta. I'm yeah, not criticizing. Together, I'm but, actually I'm complimenting it. I'm I'm complimenting the scene, but I'm just not coming through. I'm yeah. seeing it maybe in Vincent as a bad dancer. Maybe I, I'll see it like the Vincent, like he was okay. trying to dumb down Vincent's dancing skills. Maybe, but it was okay. it, he did it. Good enough. It looked like Vincent had no idea what the fuck he was doing, but he was enjoying the moment. He liked his $5 milkshake, and he was just so high at that time, I realized. Yeah. He had heroin, uh, some pot. <laughs> and and I think Vincent was trying not to be have any sexual attraction yes. to Uma because he, a guy, Marcellus Wallace, threw a fucking guy, yeah, Marcellus yes. threw a guy out of a fucking window for rubbing her feet. Like, hey, I mean, no. <laughs> massage means a lot, okay? Yeah. And, and she, means a lot. she said that was a lie. Was yeah. that a lie? Well, because well, she's just like, uh, we'll I don't know, Marcellus not, Wallace threw a guy out of a fucking window. That's all I know. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that, one of the things that I think Quentin Tarantino does as a director that's brilliant, this was from that interview too, is he said, sometimes I don't 
write the script. I just say, okay, guys, go. here's what's happening in the scene. I need you guys to go do this. And then he just lets the camera roll. And they do it over and over and over again until the camera runs out of film, which it doesn't anymore. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, until it runs out of film. And I feel like this might have been one of those times where they were like, all right, you know, you've got two very accomplished dancers because Uma Thurman is a a very accomplished dancer in in and of herself. Let's see what you guys come up with. And it was just them being awkward and then transforming into something magical. I don't know. That's what I feel like. Yeah. Brandon. Yeah. So I want to, so you guys, the dancing scene is iconic. I think it's brilliant. I think it's beautiful. I think it's perfect. But if if we're going to go with, to me, what the most perfect scene in this entire movie is to me, it's, it's the hair, it's the uh, adrenaline shot. And I don't, I, every time I see it, I've seen this movie a dozen times. Uh, I keep forgetting how funny, to me that scene is and it's the it's funny because of the way it's played <laughs> eric stoltz is funny. Oh, eric stoltz is brilliant in that when he when he and uh, oh, that, patricia arquette or, back or, or up. roseanne arquette are, are screaming back and forth at each other and he's talking about the little black book and he's like well where's the little black book i don't know why are it is where's it? my black right. book why do you the need the magic marker yeah right? i mean like to me it's it's <laughs> hilarious <laughs> it is one of the funniest scenes in any film and it's because it's it's shrouded in this insanely serious moment that's just like life and death for each one of them and i think that it, it's pacing sean you're talking about pacing before the pacing is perfect oh. the, the acting is perfect the writing is perfect to me that is in a lot of ways i would argue his best scene that he ever filmed in all of his filmography and i know that that's a, a weighty thing to say but i really do believe it's that. a bold statement it is yeah. a really bold the, statement. The, the build the build though when when eric is eating his cereal and it's yeah. dribbling down his his beard, right? And he's eating the cereal, and the the phone is ringing, and it just keeps ringing and ringing and ringing. And he's yeah. like, he's looking out of the side of his eye, like that phone is continuing to ring. And back then, in the day, then, right? It never voicemail yeah, wasn't there, so you know, it just kept fucking ringing. But you also had like that that I don't know Patricia Arquette or whatever, whoever it's it was, Roseanne Arquette. Roseanne Arquette. Roseanne Arquette, like you're supposed to tell people not to have them call at this late hour. And he's like, and he that's what voice. I'm going to tell that's him. exactly what I was going to tell them. <laughs> There's two scenes in that part that makes me think of you guys. Sometimes if I'm trying to call you guys and I'm like, fuck you, man, answer, answer your <laughs> fucking phone. But then, then, then he goes, you know, he goes, do I know you? And like, he turns into, is this a prank call? Is this a prank yeah, call? He goes, like, are you calling me from a cellular phone? Yeah. I don't know you. I don't know you. Crank call, crank call. <laughs> That's funny how true that is now. It's just like, oh my God. Well, then he runs into the house. Like, Brandon, you're talking about the, the needle. I'm like, Vincent basically runs into the garage with the car. Yeah. Almost kills them both. <laughs> and then like, he's dragged out of the car. Get her feet. Get and her he feet. drops her. I just want to think it's, it's yeah. he, just, he just drops and they have this argument in the front yard. And I'm just like, this is it's oh. it's hilarious and it shouldn't be funny, but God, it's it to me it's one of the funniest scenes filmed. I love that part when they're fighting like there. And I agree with you, uh Brandon. Like that scene is just like every time that movie when this movie comes on, like I can't wait for that scene because mm-hmm. the dialogue is very quick and fast. And it's just such a fucking wild ride. Oh. And well, you know what's so funny about that too, guys, is that before that, they come in and they have the trophy, right? Yeah. And I guess one. But actually, if you listen to another scene, they actually stole that fucking trophy. Yeah. They did not win the yeah, dance. When Butch is walking through the uh, apartment complex, really? yeah, you can hear him talking about Butch is walking the theft. and you hear it on the radio. Yeah. The Jackrabbit Slims. The theft oh, of the, the, the trophy was, was stolen. This is like little oh, fucking fuck. things. Like, I, I, I'm, I've seen this movie like 35 times, you know? 
and I'm, I'm, yeah. miss, I'm missing these shit. I'm like, oh my god, I didn't know this was actually yeah. here to here. Well, man. there's a reason why this movie is is as popular as it is, and as as iconic as it is. And it's not because it's you know it's necessarily controversial. It's because it dives deeply into what film is supposed to be, which is, in my opinion, film is supposed to make you question supposed to revolutionize, supposed to make you look at things differently, and supposed to be entertaining. And all, you know, when you, when you look at all those criteria, you have you have pretty much something that keeps you entertained even if you don't with well, the best part like everyone says to me, "Oh, I don't like Quentin Tarantino movies." I'm like, "I don't know how you can say that because anytime you don't like a Quentin Tarantino movie, you got a different scene in 5 5 minutes that coming up where, you know, try these characters, see how you like them." Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so true. So uh, I, I have. I just want to say one little thing before uh, uh, my little piece here. My favorite part of the movie. I mean, funniest part was what Brandon was saying. Like that. That's the most funny, real drama part. I I've probably seen in a long time. I, I really enjoyed seeing that. And it made me laugh hysterically. But was Samuel Jackson and Tim uh, was it Tim Roth yeah. at yeah. the very end? Yeah. The last twenty minutes, or probably the last ten minutes. Ten minutes. Face to face, and then. You know him calming down, uh, Honey Boo Boo, or you know, and then also yeah, and, yeah, and then also talking to pump, you know, Tim Roth like, hey, tell you, tell your girl to calm down. It's just how calm contr- down. <laughs> how I'll be little Fonzie had under the whole situation was just like, and then he was just like, you know what, I'm becoming you. You got me on a good day, motherfucker. Like I'm coming to terms with a new life. It was just like. It's such a cool, beautiful way to end the the story, and if for his character, it was a cool way to I don't know, he, like he made true of his word that he was trying to be a better person, and he actually gave fifteen hundred dollars away, and that's where uh, Vincent was like, "I'm gonna kill this guy off the principal, <laughs> Jules." Like, I'm not gonna allow this. Like, the part was so out. fucking great, but yeah. you're right, bro. I mean, there is like this um this arc for redemption when you think about it for Jules' character realizing that you know saving from evil from wrongdoing and whatnot and he actually has that thing i think he was trying to help vincent talking from scripture you know yeah he was trying to help vincent on that situation and you know it just you know he wasn't able to help him but for right there he was able to actually help that couple for whatever it's worth and whatnot and you see that kind of redemption arc in Jules, which i fucking love i'm gonna say something else too that's probably gonna be a little controversial which is this I really love that the movie didn't throw a message in your face at all with any character. Most of these people are not great people. They're all despicable people, Um, yeah. But it it was just fucking fun to watch. Like, it's just fun to have a movie that doesn't have a message, is not trying to throw something at you. Just like, oh, look, here's some characters. They fuck shit up, and, and, you know, you have a little bit of a a redemption arc for one of the characters. It's, you know, still not that great, but here we go. (laughs) They're still tied into other characters who are also fucking shit up. (laughs) And that brings us to the end of review. Now it's time in the podcast where each of the hosts provides a score on the following scale. Honey Bunny. Brother, can you uh, provide? Honey, you provide um, that's not my name. Say my name. That's up there. Now listen, bad motherfucker, pumpkin. Yeah, it's the it's the one that says bad motherfucker. He pulls out a wallet. It says bad motherfucker. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted the wallet that bad so bad right now. Um, all right, guys. So zero, the perfect movie. You don't need shit to enjoy it. Uh, one, a filled your first cocktail. Two, a happy buzz. Three, you're gonna Uber a lifting home. Four, rough morning walk to shame. Five, blackout shit face spring break drunk. Uh, gentlemen, let's start with myself. Um, I let's want to it. start first. Yes. Uh, set the bar high. Uh, uh, I'll probably be short and quick too to make it very happy for all of okay. you. Uh, I Coming into this movie, I haven't seen it in a while. 
Okay, so I, I, I forgot a lot of the scenes, but this is one of Tarantino's, uh, his favorite. Right? So when you, saw, when you say his name, it's impossible not to think about this movie, and that's for a reason. This, I realized he was ahead of the game here. He had, it, he tied in every fucking character possible, like everything all the way down to the radio. I just, you guys were just saying there was so much here that I didn't catch. And every time you watch this movie, you can just watch a, a whole nother part of the scenes. Like, oh crap, I didn't get that until right now. It was a beautiful, well shot. Music was amazing. The soundtrack was on point. It's a movie that I'm going to probably not let my kids watch until they're at least well, 35. Um, and even, yeah. yeah, even then you know maybe around their 20s um but uh this movie just does something to you it, it holds a special place in my heart uh this a, a director is it's impossible not to like his movies when he comes out with a movie um this is not my favorite one of his but it's one of my favorite one of his if that made sense it's you know it's, it's up there with yeah. one of his uh, i'm gonna give this honestly a one I'm giving this a one. I, I think this is a one. There is parts of it. I feel like it dragged on in, in some c- series with Bruce Willis, but that is the story, but that's how I feel. Um, uh, who wants to start next? Uh, Sean? Sure. So yeah. uh, for me, this was a really fantastic experience. I, I, I've really been, uh, I don't know if, if, if Quentin Tarantino has lost all of uh, the filter that he he once had, which was not very much at the beginning, or if he's out there just talking more and doing interviews more than he has ever done before. But he is the most honest interviewee uh, I've ever heard. And he is basically talking about the death of film, that film is dying right now, it's cyclical, it'll come back, but we need a new generation of filmmakers who are going to push the envelope, like Brandon was saying earlier, Um, push, push the standards, push the envelope, push this, push that. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, graphically, it doesn't have to be uh, anything like that. It's just pushing the way stories are told. And I think that there are very few directors in the history of the world who have done that. And and Quentin Tarantino is one of those lucky number. Um, this film was beautiful. Not in the same way, you know, Avatar or, uh, you know, a John Huston picture is beautiful. But in, in a character... Uh, a vignette sort of way where you get to really dive into a character quickly. They have great dialogue. They have great scenes. They have great uh, interactions. And I, I feel energized every time I, I, I watch a Quentin Tarantino movie, particularly one that is of this caliber that I, you know, I have hope for the future of film. Let's put it that way. That being said, I think I agree with Ed. It did drag a little bit in some areas, specifically around Bruce Willis's character. I found him the least compelling, the least fun of the of the group. Uh, but I think that you needed something level to deal with all these ups and downs. Uh, so I don't know if you know if you take him out or if you change him, if the movie has the same effect. I'm going to give this movie a point five. Um, I think the acting is superb. The 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 sound, the um, the the uh, score is fantastic. The music is great. The directing is you know top notch, and quite frankly, it's it's probably one of the most revolutionary films, if not the most revolutionary film of the nineties. So um, you know, I'm gonna give it that. So uh, let's go to uh, Jeremiah. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I'll piggyback on that one, Sean. I mean, this was one of the biggest phenomenons of the 90s when you think about it, but it was also one of the biggest indie hits of all time when you think about that as well, you know? And I have to say that this is probably one of the most influential movies of all time. 
I mean, everyone was trying to do what Quentin Tarantino was doing with this film and just trying to just like, you know, add their own little Pulp Fiction to it. This movie changed films when you think about it. Is it my favorite Quentin Tarantino film? No, not not even close, man. But it is something that you have to realize when you watch this movie that it changed the way how we see pictures and whatnot. The writing is great. The acting is fantastic. The music is just on another level. I mean, fuck, you know, I, I it's just... I almost want to have the soundtrack in my fucking playlist again because it's so fucking good. But it's very graphic. It's very horror. You know, it's very fucking violent. Like I said, it's not my favorite, but seriously, you have to pay respect to this fucking film. You know, for me, it's uh, it, it's not a perfect zero, but, you know, it's pretty fucking damn close. You know, I'm going to give it a point seven five here because I think it's fucking pretty great, man. So not I, I agree with you, uh, Jeremiah, and I, it reminds me of a. Of a... A, a line from the holiday, which is hilarious. Eli Wallach said it. If the if the if the, um, the studios used to be so involved with pictures, right? They'd own the actors. Now, if the studios make a hundred million dollars in its opening weekend, the movie's a failure. This is not that type of film. This is not that type of era of film. And I think it's time we get back to the that other type of of era where we don't care if it makes a hundred million dollars. We care if it's a good fucking picture. They're out there. That's a dying era too, because everything's about. But you said it too, yeah, Sean. Like there is a little hope for it because there are filmmakers out there that are doing things that are actually pushing, like you know, uh, some great films out there, and it gives a little hope every once in a while. You know, I mean, you guys don't like this director Ty West. You know, he does some horror films, but the way how he's doing it, you know, it's like okay, there is a little fucking hope that you know that something's going to come out of it. I think Gareth Edwards has a little bit of hope. I think there's, I think there's a lot of directors out there that could be. They could be something different. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, yes. finish this out. So this is, uh, this is my pick uh, this week, and this is a movie that I've been wanting to pick and have us do since before we started Three and a Half Gentlemen because uh, this movie is, is a really important one to me. I know I've talked talk all the time about how movies um, – you know, I wanted to devote my life to movies. I wanted to make movies. And, you know, with this movie coming out in the 90s, early 90s, and me getting into film, uh, like excitement and liking movies and watching movies and wanting to, to make movies and, and tell stories, you know, I was able to see this as kind of that revolutionary pivot in film that we've been talking about. Um, you guys say this isn't your favorite Quentin Tarantino film, and I know he's got a list of, of great films. This, to me, is my favorite, um, hands down. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't like any of the other ones. I love the other ones. Reservoir Dogs is, is at the bottom of the list, but uh, those other films are just, to me, classics. This one, though, transcends and, and establishes him and what he's done. And, and yes, he's taken different parts from this film with the opening dialogue, and, and you know he's got a very, very clear trademark. But what he did is he he did something that not many people do, and that's he hits a freaking grand slam on his, you know, one of his first at-bats. And I think that uh, not only does it establish him as one of the most important filmmakers, but it's also establishes this film as one of the most important films probably up there with ever made, right? Because we're talking about it as a transformational, transitional film. I'm not one to get on yeah. bandwagons. I don't like to say, oh, if it's popular, I like it. This movie is one of those bandwagon films that people, you know, like to point to. I don't know if they all like it. It's kind of like those people that wear the band t-shirts without knowing the bands. Um, but for me, this movie is is something special. Uh, you know, just to kind of, I don't want to defend the movie because I definitely think the scene with Marcellus is comes out of left field and it's odd. But when you sit back and you look at it, you go, what 
what thing could happen to Marcellus that would make him forgive Butch, somebody who he basically devoted his life to destroying? Well, it's got to be the the worst thing in the world that you could possibly go through. And I think that in a weird way, it accomplishes that. It's still hard to watch, right? It's hard to to fathom, but at the same time, um, that's my justification for that. Um, With that said, uh, this movie... um, this movie does something that I think is, is revolutionary in so many different ways. Uh, it is no drink required for me. This is zero. It will always be a zero. Uh, I watched this this time with a fine tooth comb looking for things to give points to and, and drinks to, but I, I honestly can't. I mean, I know that you can say that the storyline bogs down a little bit, but to me, it, it's all a beautiful artistic musical movement that just helps to, to balance out everything that comes afterwards. So, um, yeah, we got, we got a zero on this movie. This is a perfect film for me. Well, good job, man. I'm glad. Good job. I'm glad. That's a nice. Right. That's a quality and, zero. Eddie, yeah, when you zero, take man. the uh, the scores <laughs> and divide by four, what does Pulp Fiction get? Uh, an average score of uh, m- uh, my calculations and Brandon's calculations are correct. Uh, it gives a point five six two five. That's a point five six two five. And Jeremiah, where does that put us on the list of movies that we have? Sure, reviewed it's close to Avatar, far? right? Um, no, I, I would bet. <laughs> I would bet it's at least close to Rise of Skywalker. No, Avatar. Avatar was terrible. It's actually tied with uh, Sound of Music. Oh, oh, The Hills Are Alive with Pulp Those, Fiction. You know what? Complimentary <laughs> films. Very, very much. <laughs> Those are from Both like good soundtrack. left field to right field, man. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Completely different fucking films. Rugby and... Uh... Yeah, it's tied number five, actually, with Sound of Music. And also another favorite that's been doing well within our catalog is uh, The Sandlot. Oh. Okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, as we continue on our journey of season four, which is, um, you know, uh, quickly, I think becoming one of my favorites as we get into these movies, um, what, what genre are we in or what grouping are we in Jeremiah where we, we're, we're grouping these movies a certain way. Yeah. So we're actually wrapping up our uh, month for, uh, uh, January director features. So some of the directors that we wanted to feature for movies that we like and everything like that. And, uh, man. We got one more. It's like going from like a fucking great fucking director to from to this my guy, but you hit the fucking ceiling. I don't know where else we can go, but fucking downhill on this one, dude. <laughs> so we're gonna go with my film, which I'm not too fucking thrilled about it. Now I have oh, to go like go I'm the shadow of fucking Quarantino, but this is John Carpenter's the thing. Um, man, dude, I, I, it's gonna be a bloodbath, and I think uh, my fellow gentleman hosts are gonna fucking just destroy it. I'm so looking I can tell to you, it. promise you right now, Jeremiah. When I when I sat down to watch this movie for the first time with you, with you, I went, "This is gonna be trash." 1970s? Is it 70s or 80s? 82, 82. 82? Came two. It came out two weeks after PT. And you know, you've got <laughs> you've got this. Yeah, it's just. The plot, which was thin, and then I, you know, I sat down and watched it, and I can tell you right now, I enjoyed the shit out of it. I'm very much looking forward to seeing this again for the podcast, and I, I think I will be your ally. I have not seen it. I will I, be your ally. I have not seen it, but I'm so damn excited about it. Like Jared, this is one of it's my been, top favorite excited ones out of four. It's been some time. Uh, it's been some time. Brandon's gonna stab the shit out. Remember the last John Carpenter movie that we did? Yeah. What did we do? The last John Carpenter movie. It was Halloween. Halloween. Oh, that doesn't count. We almost didn't make yeah. the season three. Yeah, Brandon doesn't still talk to Eddie me about and that. I are... Anytime Halloween comes around, he's like, 
Eddie and I are still barely friends because of that whole debacle. <laughs> Listen to the podcast when you get a chance, man. Fuck, this might be round two, man, for next week. But yeah, then after that, we're going to go into our month of February for favorite bad romance movies that we like. So. All right. Well, if you enjoyed our review or a fan of the podcast, we ask that you please subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I cannot express to you how, do, how important it is for you to leave a physical review on iTunes. Write your little or take out your little fingers and write us a review about how good or bad we are. We're okay with that. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at the dot gentleman podcast. The dot means a lot. You can visit our website at gentlemanpodcast.com. Um, and we'd love to hear your input at hosts, H O S T S at the gentleman podcast.com. Um, I will also beg, plead and uh, you know, maybe even bribe you this season to go ahead and share our podcast with at least five people in your life, five people who are interested in movies, who want to hear just four really great friends talking about some of the best movies ever made. Uh, it's a very informal podcast. If this is your first time listening. I will say, um, go back, listen. We are, uh, we've, we've reviewed some wonderful movies in a very informal way. And we've listened and to, it's, uh, it's kind of unique. So, yeah. uh, Point we, we reviewed some really bad movies and I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Great Gatsby. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. We've also, we've also done some shitholes, but that's okay. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, with that being said, we will see you next week. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers guys. Cheers. Eddie at some point is going to shatter those glasses, I swear. You hit that thing so hard. No, I'm not like Jeremiah. No, you remember when Sean shattered those glasses at his place? Yeah, it's revisionist revisionist history there, Jeremiah. (laughs) That's not me. It's Jeremiah. (laughs) Rewriting history, guys.